sex talk. Derek the Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek and Miley. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today on Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I have a wonderful guest. I'm so excited to talk to my friend and colleague. Laura, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everyone. I am Laura Zane Wambarocha. I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida. I specialize in working with highly sensitive women who are experiencing anxiety and depression and therapist who identify as intuitive and highly sensitive. I love it. I love this so much. I'm just so excited to dig into this with you. And Laura and I met through our networking group here in Florida. And we didn't realize at the time when we first started talking to each other that we also belonged to another group together, that we were all Abundance Party members, Allison Pereira's group which was so funny because we were all super ambitious and we just, all of us just kind of clicked really quickly. And I love this. That's why Laura's here. Cause yes. she's the best. I'm just been so excited. <laughs> I, love I love hanging out with you. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about highly sensitive people and what that means to their sex lives. We're also going to talk about kind of, we're going to get down to the basics of what a highly sensitive person is, and then we'll kind of go from there. So Laura, you want to take the reins and kind of talk about what a highly sensitive person is? Sure. So highly sensitive people are essentially, they're about 15 to 20% of the population, and they were defined by a woman in the late 80s, early 90s. She did a lot of research on them, and her name is Elaine Aaron. And what she found was that they're part of the population that are a minority. They have essentially... How I like to describe it and how I describe it to my clients is they are extrasensory. So what they have is a real entombment with the world around them. So if you were to think about they have, so if you think about them having hearing, their hearing is extra sensitive. So if you think about somebody blowing a dog whistle, a highly sensitive person would be the person that would hear the dog whistle. But it's with it's across the board with their emotions. So these are the people that you're looking at that are often told early in childhood that they cry too easily or that they're extra sensitive or that they're shy. About 80% of highly sensitives identify as introverts. The other 20% identify as extroverts. And you can be highly sensitive and also be sensation-seeking. So those kind of go hand-in-hand with about another 20% of highly highly sensitive people also being sensation-seeking. So these are the people that feel very deeply in the world, and they often don't understand why the rest of the world doesn't feel as deeply as they do. So I, I am personally a highly sensitive person, and I jokingly say that I cry at a good Hallmark commercial. So highly sensitive people are these people that are so in tune with the rest of the world that they are literally emotionally touched by it. They have found studies showing that it's actually parts of the brain that light up slightly differently. So they also have physical sensations that they're more in tune with and aware of. They have a higher sense of smell. 
They have a higher startle reflex. They have a usually a keener sense of touch. So all of those kind of work together to make them more aware of their environment. I think that's an excellent kind of overview of where to begin. And I'm going to out myself as well. I, I don't know that I've ever, and Laura is actually helping me with this. And we're going to talk about her wonderful Facebook group for therapists here in a few minutes. But I myself am a highly sensitive person. And, and I have always put this thing aside in the favor of science. And oftentimes, that's I think many, many highly sensitive people do that. They will say, okay, this is a thing, or they try to put it away, or they try to hide it, or they they don't want to address it at all because it people, when you say things like this to people, sometimes they'll like, yo, you're crazy. And my my husband will tease me about this because like there are video games I cannot play because of how the video game operates. <laughs> it's so true. And like we're more prone to like when we watch television, we're way more prone to being traumatized by violent scenes or by watching the news. I have a funny story. In the 90s, I was a nanny for an interracial couple and the African-American gentleman in it was a chef. And so I went to go watch the South Park movie and it's supposed to be a funny movie. Like it's, it's South Park for God's sake. Well, in it, they had where they strapped chef to a tank and they were making a political statement about war. And I had nightmares over South Park because it touched me so much emotionally because I related it back to this person that I cared so deeply about. So that's the kind of thing that happens for highly sensitive people. When I was a child, I had a, um, my mom actually had to really curate the things that I saw because I would, I would have nightmares so easily. Like for instance, there was, it was of course during the nineties when Phantom of the Opera was making its rounds around the country. And I, I could not listen to the TV ad for it. I, and I was a child. I couldn't listen to it because it would make me cry and it would make me, it, I, I would react so strongly to it and it would give me nightmares. Yep. And that's exactly, that's the emotionality part of a highly sensitive person. And you see it really early in childhood. They just react really deeply. They're usually passionate about animals. They're passionate about causes early on. The um, commercials that come on for children and animals will a lot of times make them cry. Listening to stuff on on the news can be somewhat traumatizing. So that's how the highly sensitive person is kind of made up is that they are very deeply in tune with the rest of humanity. And Laura, we're, we're talking about through this and we're recording this and all of the things we're saying, I'm all of a sudden realizing as we're talking that my son does this and he's six that he like we were we just took a wonderful trip to Disney World and we watched the Hall of Presidents it's the big show of the Hall of Presidents and at the end he was in tears because he was just like he and this is no political statement he's six he was just in tears because he was like presidents try so hard <laughs> and he was just in tears about it. Right. And that's the thing that they highly sensitive people often have a hard time because they get things on such a deep level that, and with being introverts, a lot of times they have a hard time meeting people because they want, they often forget like 
I don't want to say forget because that's maybe not the right word, but the common everyday conversations that people have to kind of get warmed up to feel shallow and petty oftentimes to highly sensitive people because they're so used to going so deep so fast that it makes it difficult for them to develop relationships on a superficial level. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, it makes it hard. (laughs) And your kids, that's the other thing, highly sensitive people, there is a genetic there is a genetic component to it because it is, I think it's part of an adaptation, you know, that some of us have and it is there and it does run in families. I think this is just a wonderful topic. And I think there's going to be so many people that are going to listen to this episode and finally go, Oh, okay. Yes. That's what this is. Right. I'm not, I'm not weird. I'm just highly sensitive. Right. Let's bring this home for folks. This is important to sex. And why? (laughs) Well, a big part of it is it's important to sex because highly sensitive people, while a lot of the things are very similar with sex, if you're having extra sensory stuff, it can affect your sex life in a lot of different ways. For example, if you have extra sensitive smell, you're going to possibly be more aware of your senses when you're initiating sex. Also, highly sensitive people in general tend to want, there's a slight variation and I'll talk about that, but in general, they want to have deeper connections. So it may take them longer to have sex than it will the normal population. They want to actually have an emotional connection to someone often before they have sex. Now, there's a subset of highly sensitive people that are called sens- that are sensation seekers, and they tend to normalize out um, the sensation seeking tends to balance out the high sensitivity. So they tend to have more of a similar experience than non-sensitive people as far as not needing the emotional connection quite as much as a true sensitive person that's not a sensation seaker would. Right. It may be a little, maybe a little easier for them potentially. Right. It's a little bit easier for them. The other thing is that highly sensitive people, if your senses are going off during sex, you can be easily distracted during sex. So if you have extra sensitive hearing and you've got background noise, or if there's kids in the vicinity or your dog starts barking, you can get distracted and then kind of lose the desire to have sex. So it happens more frequently with highly sensitive people. So a lot of times the setting has to be right. The the smells have to be right. The distracting factors can kind of throw you off your game for lack of a better description. Absolutely. I think that's an excellent point. I just kind of talked about this in episode 29 about how our thoughts and our sensations can completely derail us from that connection with another person. And we're talking about how this specifically for highly sensitive people can derail them from the connection they so badly want to be having with their partner. Right, exactly. And it, and it can be, you know, during sex, they get distracted. And a lot of times highly sensitive people appear to be ADD, but it's their high sensitivities kicking in. For example, you know, bright lights really bother them. So if they're in a pilot room, it can be distracting. If you're lighting candles, but the scent of the candle is off and, you know, you're trying to focus on your partner, but all you 
or you're getting inundated with this smell of this candle that is really doing nothing for you, it slows down your attraction level. Absolutely. I think often we forget how much is at play for us during the creation of intimate relationships, during the creation of wanting to have any kind of a physical sexual relationship, and how we have to expose our vulnerabilities. And I would imagine that for highly sensitive people, that would be a daunting task. It can be. And on top of it, most highly sensitive people, because they're so in tune with other people, they're really, a lot of them are people pleasers. A lot of them really want to make sure that the person they love and care about is happy. And a good portion of them, because of that, have a hard time with setting boundaries, with saying no, and that that character trait carries over even into the bedroom. Absolutely. I, it's funny that we're talking about this because I think generally, I think that statement applies to probably every person in the world when it comes to sex. They don't Many people really struggle with that assertiveness. Many people really struggle with being able to talk about their own sexual needs. And so a highly sensitive person then, again, would would it would almost be like pouring gasoline on that problem. Yeah, right? it really would. It's like pouring gasoline on it because, you know, I don't want to disappoint my partner. I've already been told I'm too sensitive throughout my life. I've already been told that I'm already not the norm. And then here I am with this partner and... I'm going to ask to get my needs met and, you know, it might hurt his feelings or her feelings or their feelings. And I don't want to do that. However, touch is really overwhelming to me and I'm not comfortable. And so it can create, it doesn't always, but it can create this kind of cycle where there's a lack of connection with the other person because then sex becomes an obligation and they're not feeling the emotional connection. So then they distance and it creates this this cycle that can be really unhealthy. Whereas if the sensitivities are talked about and it can be discussed up front, then it helps prevent the back end issues. Yes. Audience, again, you're going to hear this 150 million times. Preventative relationship care. Preventative relationship care. We fully support preventative relationship care. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes highly sensitive people are called HSPs. If an HSP needed like just start day one to explore this within themselves, where would you suggest they begin? I really love Elaine Aaron's site. It's it's great. It has a quiz on it, and that's hspersons.com. They can, of course, check out my website if they'd like to. That's www.sagesynergy.net. All this is going to be in the, in in the, the show, show notes. Um, but they can check that out. But just doing a search for highly sensitive people, start with Elaine Aaron. She's the original researcher founder and really promotes the information but it really starts with you know if you're listening to this and you can hear it describing you it's probably you if you're the person that walks in the room and you see somebody spinning their eyes and you know just what to do you know you know you need to dim the lights or do whatever uh, your the likelihood is that you're highly sensitive so starting with doing some research with Elaine Aaron, and I'm finding that I love Judith Orloff as well. I find her very helpful and just kind of, you know, start looking up highly sensitive persons. There are, believe it or not, there are a ton of videos on YouTube about it. 
and there's information out there. It's just people aren't as aware of it. And, and then once you start opening the doors and start looking for it, it'll just start popping up. <laughs> yes. It's then, oh, okay. Confirmation of all of these things I've felt and seen and haven't been able to express or understood what I was feeling and seeing. Right. Because we only have our own perception. So for a highly sensitive person, They've always been highly sensitive, so they don't understand that they're perceiving the world through a different set of lenses than 80% of the population. When you realize, oh, it's not that I'm weird or strange, it's just I'm seeing the world through a different set of lenses, it helps normalize things so much. It just does. (laughs) Well, I think in our work generally, like as therapists, no matter if it's a highly sensitive person or not, one of the things that we do spend a lot of time doing is just normalizing human experience. Right. And that is the truth. That is absolutely the truth. (laughs) And so how do folks, I know we've already talked about your website, but I'm going to have you repeat it. How do people find you in the world? How do and I also want you to talk about that Facebook group because I think it's great and I'm part of it too. Yes. I will talk about that. Um, So people find me in the world. Um, You can find me. I'm in Sarasota, Florida, and you can find me at www.sagesynergy.net. And you can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page that is geared towards highly sensitive women who are experiencing anxiety and depression. And then you can also find me through, it's called the Empathic Therapist. And that is a closed Facebook group. And it's designed for therapists who are highly sensitive, who are also empathic and describe themselves as intuitive by nature. So we do a lot of work on helping them embrace their own intuition and their own ability to perceive the world a little bit differently. Yes, 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 yes. And like I said, I'm part of this group and I'm, and Lauren, I've already talked about this. I'm going to be sharing this with the therapist. I have like four therapists in my head that I'm like, need to be in this group because we've had these discussions. We had the discussions around knowing what this feels like when not only just when you're in therapy, but when you're with your friends, with your loved ones, when you're trying to describe this to people. And sometimes it doesn't like we kind of talked about in the beginning. Others don't necessarily understand this experience. No, they they don't. When you're a highly sensitive person, it's a blessing in some ways, but in other ways, it feels like a curse. Like highly sensitive people, they respond differently to touch than what a non-sensitive person does. They actually have a higher heightened awareness of touch. So, you know, if they're being touched, they're much more in tune with it. And it actually increases their ability to have orgasms. But if it's too rough of a touch, that totally messes things up because then it's overpowering. But how do you express that? And it happens even in your day-to-day life. You know, somebody gives you a hug and you feel like you've been bear hugged and they're giving a normal hug. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. So thank you for joining me today. You are fantastic. And thanks those of you for listening all the way to the end. And everything that all the information you've heard here today, I will make sure is in the show notes. And I want you to go out there and find Laura's information. And again, you can always find me at ericamiley.com. And if you have any questions, please reach out, reach out. I know both of us are happy to answer any kind of questions. I hope all of you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much. See you next time. 
Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.